Hey guys, welcome along to Scheme Me Up Body, the Star Trek Lovers podcast. It has been far too long since I uploaded an episode to the channel. I was getting into a good way of going with the uploads on here and then I got an unexpected boost on my YouTube vlogging channel. Here's Rodder's vlogs. So uh, the head went all together, try to keep that momentum going, so spend a heck of a lot of time on there making videos for that. And uh, ended up getting absolutely nothing done as far as the podcasts go. Uh, you know, I've got three podcasts here and two of them have suffered badly. This been one of them, so apologies uh, if you have been listening to the, the episodes on here. But we're back now. I'm going to try to upload a more realistic upload schedule. The plan originally was, and uh, I was just talking about it on the vlog channel tonight, and a new episode over there, is that you do not need to be perfect and the stuff that you do, you know, it's, it's nice to have some sort of level of professionalism to your stuff, but, you know, if you're going to the extent where you're absolutely getting nothing done because of the fact that you're trying to be so flippant, so much of a perfectionist about things, it's just, uh, as you see, have you seen for yourself? this channel has suffered badly because of that so it's not going to happen anymore we're going to get the stuff out there and we're going to do it as best as we can and as often as we can so i'm thinking realistically i'm going to be uploading podcasts to scheme me up body on perhaps a tuesday and a thursday twice a week which is plenty for a podcast and there's a heck of a lot of Star Trek based stuff that we're going to be talking about so this uh, podcast is going to go for forever basically and uh, yes I'll probably be dead before we get through everything Star Trek related but this is uh, Star Trek First Contact and this episode was released in 1996 uh, directed by Jonathan Frakes, of course, Riker himself in the directing chair. And to the best of my knowledge, there was a couple of other directors that turned the project down previous to him getting the, the job. This was his first time directing. And, you know, they did want somebody on there that knew Star Trek. And, of course, Jonathan Frakes knows Star Trek. The cast on here is all fantastic of course we've got all the regulars back patrick stewart jonathan frakes brent spinner levar burton michael dorn gets mcfadden marina sirtis uh <laughs> alfrey woodward is, is in here as well james cromwell absolute flipping legend in this movie and alice craig is perfect as the borg queen uh, i absolutely love this movie it had a budget of 45 million dollars and at the box office it made 146 million dollars um this is easily the best star trek movie with the next generation cast on here you know i, I genuinely believe that uh that's going to be really hard to beat the wrath of khan when it comes to star trek movies but this comes in and a very close second place whenever you put all the movies together. Uh, absolutely fantastic, this film. Um, basically, the the plot of the movie is 24th century. Captain Picard 
awakens from a nightmare. That's how the film opens. And which is reloved as assimilation by the Borg six years previously. He's contacted by Admiral Hayes, who informs him a new Borg threat is just about to hit Earth. And Picard's orders are for him and the new Enterprise, which absolutely looks fantastic. Really, really good design for Enterprise here. But again, for my money, the, the Enterprise from uh, Rafa Khan is the most iconic Enterprise. But this one does look very tasty, the Enterprise-y. Um, Picard, he's ordered to patrol the neutral zone in case of the Romulans taking advantage of the situation. Starfleet is basically worried that Picard would be too emotionally involved with his experience with the, the Borg to be included in the fight. Um, but Starfleet engages the Borg cube. They're getting their asses handed to them and Picard and the bridge crew in the Enterprise there listening on subspace to the communication between the Starfleet vessels that it's it's obvious from where they're sitting at that the, the Borg is just going to literally wipe them out. And Picard decides to go against his orders. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a, you know, he met up with Kirk and Star Trek Generations. And there's there's definitely a change in Picard in this movie where he's a little bit more Kirk-like in his decisions. And he decides to go and uh, go against the the orders and head back to Earth to join the fight. Which they do, and when they get there, uh, the USS Defiant is crippled, and uh, Worf is on board there. And, you know, I should say that my knowledge of Star Trek, even though I'm a lifelong fan, there's a bit of a, a dead space in my knowledge when it comes to Deep Space Nine it's the only series I didn't properly get into so I'm not exactly sure where the movies sit at in the timeline with uh, Deep Space Nine but the Defiant was the big part of the, the DS9 series and Worf's on there uh, the ship's crippled and uh, he's about to command the helm officer to you know Ramen speed, you know, he's going to take, do his best to take out the board cube with the Defiant, but uh, the Enterprise comes in, intervenes, saves them, beams them on board, and uh, Picard takes over the fleet, and he gives them orders to shoot at a certain point of the board cube, so he should have been there at the very beginning, you know, why the heck was he putting the sidelines, you know, if he had had this knowledge, if Starfleet had only had this knowledge, you know, no-brainer. But the Enterprise, along with the surviving ships in the fleet, fire at this point in the vessel and do destroy it. But while it's exploding, uh, a sphere ship comes out of the cube and uh, starts to open a, a rip in time and space. And Picard orders the Enterprise to follow. And as they're following... The Borg's fear. The the scans from Earth show that the the entire population of the planet is all Borg. So obviously the Borg have travelled back in time and assimilated Earth in the past. So the Enterprise, because it's in the wake of this thing, 
this sphere. It's protected from the changes in the timeline, so they follow it through, go back, and they figure out that the the Borg sphere landed on uh, the day that the hum humanity's first encounter with alien life happens. You know, the first warp test, uh, the first time they meet the the Vulcans, and uh, that's what they. The Borg did in the past. They stopped forced contact from happening. So there's your name for the movie. Star Trek Forced Contact. Uh, they meet Zephyrin Cochran. Who designed and built the the forced warp engine. And he is not what the crew of the Enterprise was expecting at all. Uh, you know, the ship that he had was... The, the warp ship was called the, the Phoenix. Uh... And uh, you know everybody on board the Enterprise has grown up here, and the the stories of Zephyr and Cochrane and the the great man and hero that he was, and uh, you know they're expecting to meet this superhero type of character. But he's they meet him. He's a raging alcoholic. You know, when they get to the past, the the Borg sphere, they take it out in short order. They think, oh God, this was easy, but uh, they have heavily damaged the Phoenix, so they. Uh, as far as Picard and the crew is concerned, you know the the threat of the the Borg has been wiped out here, and all we need to do now is help Zephyrin Cochran actually achieve the the warp test at a certain time, so that this passing alien ship, the Vulcans, see that Earth has made uh, the leap. To warp technology, and uh, that's the the big thing. Whenever first contact situation comes, you know, civilization gets to that point. That's whenever the Federation will normally uh, make contact with them. So uh, they're helping them, trying to get this thing in order. But the Borg threat was not uh, taken out. They actually managed to transport to the Enterprise and they're taken over slowly there so you've got a small group of uh, people from the Enterprise down on the planet helping Cochrane get the ship ready to, to fly and Picard and a few the rest of the crew of the Enterprise start to fight against the Borg on there and of course the Borg Queen is involved in this as well and uh there's a great little sequence in this movie, and it just came to me never was talking about it there. Uh, we all know Data has been trying to be more human. That's that's his whole story arc for Data. He's an android that wants to be more human. He's flipping Pinocchio. And in this movie, the, the Borg Queen actually tries to use Data to her advantage by offering him real skin, a real skin graft on top of his metal body and of course in this movie Data is able to turn on and off the emotion chip that he got in Star Trek Generations and uh, he's tied up to this chair or this table like an operating table and uh, she's grafted some human skin onto him and he's like he has his emotion chip turned off and he's like, you know what, you, you, 
can't screw with my head, like, you know, my motion chip isn't working. But uh, the Borg Queen turns it on again, and then she uh, leans over and uh, literally just blows a little bit of air. You know, goes down, puts her mouth to it, and goes, <sighs> blows it across the skin, and you see the the goosebumps coming up on the skin, and Data's like, ooh, and the poor queen was like, is that good for you? <laughs> yeah, it's just, the humour in here is great in this movie. There's uh, quite a few moments where it's it's understated in the humour, but it's, it's, it's fantastic too. And it's great to see the the character of Zephyr Cochran having to deal with the with his own future. You know, he's at the beginning of this movie, uh, when the ship is damaged, the warp ship, he's very close to giving up. But he keeps meeting all these people that, you know, are looking at him like he's a superhero and he's he's just feeling the the entire weight of the future on his shoulders and he doesn't know whether he can handle it or not. And uh, Jordy LaForge actually at one point tells him that in the future there's a statue built of him on the site where the, the ship was launched off. So he's basically standing on the spot where his, in the future his statue's going to be. So he freaks out and uh, eventually they get, get him on board the ship. They get him launched up the go. There's fantastic... I was reading up a little bit on it here, and they said that the uh, the visual effects for this movie were really, really rushed through. Now, where did I see that at? Um, the visual effects were created in only a matter of months to get this movie out. Like, this was... It's no secret these days and i have talked about it a bit in the past myself we're in the vlog channel i from time to time do bits and pieces of andy projects myself i've, I've done a couple of little andy short films like nothing major um but right now the the movie industry has became the music industry like it's just they're constantly trying to pump out as much stuff as they can. And right now, in all honesty, hand on heart, I would have to say that I think that we're actually creating movies far quicker than we really should. Like, they're really, really cutting a lot of corners right now. And back when this movie came out in 96, I think that was... We were just on the verge of this all starting to happen. So like they were really, really pressed to get a lot of the stuff done in this movie. But the movie doesn't suffer for it. But I was surprised to learn that... Where is it at? Here it is. The effects company, Industrial Light and Magic, rushed to complete the film's special effects in less than five months. Uh, traditional optical effects techniques were supplemented with computer-generated imagery. Um... The movie looks brilliant. It does. It actually looks fantastic. Um, there's a sequence where Worf and uh, a couple of the other officers are fighting three or four Borg out on the deflector dish of the Enterprise. And uh, Picard's there too. 
Picard, did I forget that? Yeah, Picard, Worf, and uh, one of the other officers is out there. And, you know, they're, they have space boots that, uh, and we've seen these space boots previously and uh, one of the other Star Trek movies, uh, The Undiscovered Country, the, the magnetic boots and, uh, you know, they're, they come out the airlock, they're actually walking on the hull of the, the Enterprise. It's a fantastic little sequence where they, the Borg are going to try to put a transmitter onto the deflector dish of the Enterprise to try and contact Borg that are alive in that century. Uh, absolutely beautiful visual effects in this movie. And uh, the fact that they were rushed out to get there, doesn't, you don't really see it on screen, but more and more these days and newer movies, I'm really, really starting to see it. But of course, we get the, the climactic battle between uh, Picard and the Borg Queen in the engine room of the Enterprise while the warp ship is making its flight and uh, time for the, the Vulcans to see that Earth has indeed had warp technology and uh, that's a great little ending sequence to it where uh, Picard is making the best stand that he can and he's, there's all this stuff in the atmosphere and the engine room that can just dissolve uh, skin, <laughs> you just anything organic, it'll destroy it. And uh, he's climbing up, trying to get away from the board queen at the end, and then she's trying to pull him back. And then uh, Data comes up out of the, the steam. And all the flesh that they've grafted onto him at this point is no longer there. It's been all melted away and you see the robotic form underneath him. And uh, you know everything that he wanted to become more human is offered to him in this movie. But he, you know, he makes the choice to save his friends, basically, instead of getting that flesh and be the real person that he always wanted to be. And... Uh, he pulls the Borg Queen down onto the the mist and of course all her organic matter is dissolved and there's just the robot form of her left at the end and uh, Picard breaks the spine of it. So, you know, that's pretty much it for Star Trek Force Contact. At the end, of course, the, the Vulcans see that uh, Earth has indeed made the warp barrier and they land to make contact the enterprise has been hiding out of the scanning range of the the vulcans so they don't know that they're actually there and at the end of the movie you see uh Zephyr from cochran walking up and the the vulcan does the the vulcan hand gesture and he tries to do it, but he can't get the fingers to work. Like a lot of people can't do it. I can do it with both hands. You can't see it because this is an audio podcast, but I can do the Vulcan left or right hand. Which one you want to select it yourself? I will do the Vulcan sign, whichever hand. You know, it's <laughs> that's a tough one to do for some people. But uh, I grew up watching all this stuff. So it's, I think that's probably one of the first things I learned as a child, bar speaking. <laughs> 
So, uh, so uh, Picard and the crew beam back to the Enterprise and they head back to the future. Back to the future! Um, and uh, we end off the, the episode with Sarah from Cochrane sitting down for a beer with the Vulcans and turning on the jukebox and he starts to dance and you know it's that's the two cultures meeting each other for the first time finishes off with a nice little bit of humor there there's a few parts throughout the movie when you're talking humor uh with saffron cochran and the bar drunk jukebox on uh counselor troy is sent on to speak to him at the start she gets absolutely hammered trying to you know, he won't talk unless he has a drink with her, or she has a drink with him. She ends up getting absolutely stone cold drunk at one point. So uh, they kind of... <laughs> you see what happens to her earlier in the movie, and then at the very end, you see the Vulcans sitting down in the same bar with him, Saffron Cocker, and he's turned on the jukebox, and he's dancing. So you, you just know where that's going to lead you. He's going to have all these Vulcans hammered, within a couple of hours that's a very very good movie and this little podcast review probably hasn't done much justice to it but it is what it is guys it's a fantastic fantastic movie and definitely it's easily the best of the next generation casts appearances in the movies and there's only a couple more films in the series after this before it got kind of cancelled but we'll get to that in the next episode this has been a production of coins edge media thank you so much for listening